Welcome to another edition of Canton Bound, the NFL half of our Campus to Canton podcast here. As always, I'm Colin, and there is no Austin today. I decided to give him the day off here uh, after he put in a full day's work yesterday on our early signing day coverage, the full day uh, live stream that we had over on the YouTube. Thank you for anybody who was checking that out. Uh, We very much appreciate that. Uh, It was a lot of fun. Uh, It was something we did for the first time this year and and something I think we're going to do again next year. Uh, For anybody who wasn't there, wasn't aware of it, uh, we 8 a.m. started and went all the way up until 5.30, 6 o'clock p.m. Uh, Brought you all the breaking news from every player who signed uh, from a fantasy perspective. You know, you had 24-7 rivals on three. They were all doing uh, their usual coverage, but nobody else out there was bringing you this coverage from a fantasy perspective. So we broke down all these freshman signings, what it means for them as a player, what it means for their team, what it means for fantasy purposes. Uh, We covered... Everything from flips from Austin Novosad, quarterback who was going to Baylor, now going to Oregon, uh, to players that we knew who were committing, like Arch Manning. Uh, we've known he was going to Texas for a long time. Uh, it was a lot of fun over there. I hopped on for like 30 minutes over lunch, but huge shout out to the guys who were on the stream for, for hours. Uh, Matt Bruning, Austin, um, big wide receiver guy, David, Alfred, Chris Moxley, uh, Felix, everybody else who was on, uh, Barnabas. Uh, a lot, of, a lot, a lot of work went into that. They are very appreciative of uh, all that work, all the high level of professionalism. Extremely pro- informative, entertaining. I was tuning in all day while I was at the office, and hopefully you guys were too. If you haven't checked it out, it's still over up on our YouTube page. Definitely go check that out. Uh, we have a uh, interview on there from a quarterback, uh, Avery Johnson, one of the top ten quarterbacks in this class, going to Kansas State. Uh, so it was a great interview there. Great day all around. Um, we look forward to doing that again next year as well. Um, but anyway, since he was, uh, since Austin was on there uh, all day yesterday, I'm giving him a break today. So it's just me. So I'm gonna break down some quick news here. Uh, give you three um, kind of under the radar, like flex plays this week. Um, guys that I think that are basically gonna outperform expectations and could help you move on to the finals. Because uh, I know a lot of people here are probably in their semifinals this week or, or in the playoffs they've started. Um, so if you are best of luck, hopefully these three players can help you out if you're in a pinch. Uh, and then we'll go to a, uh, a early preview of the early declares of the 2023 rookie class. And obviously this isn't a full exhaustive list. There are still players that are declaring, um, they have until the middle of January to do so. So we won't fully break the class down until then, but I'll bring in a little early preview here. Um, So stay tuned in for that. But we'll start with the news. Um, First news here, Zach Wilson was benched against the Jaguars tonight. Um, I'm recording this here Thursday night. Uh, But you have to figure his career in New York is done at this point. He got booed. Um, It's going to be tough to bounce back from that. Hopefully he can find a home somewhere else like uh, Sam Darnold did and maybe uh, rejuvenize his career there. Uh, Lamar Jackson is out again this week which is a major bummer for me personally, because I'll actually be at this game uh, in Baltimore against the Falcons. Um, I'm a Falcons fan for anybody who knows Um, my, and my uh, fiance Becca is is going with me as well. She, this is her first NFL game. She's really getting into the NFL this year. She's a Ravens fan. uh, And it's kind of a bummer because I got her a Lamar Jackson Jersey for Christmas. 
So she'll be wearing the jersey. He won't be playing. It'll be Tyler Huntley starting in this one. Uh, Khalil Herbert was activated from IR. Uh, he might not play this week, but uh, if you have Montgomery and you are in the uh, semifinals, you survive uh, the week into the championship. Uh, could be something to worry about for Montgomery next week because Khalil Herbert has been pretty solid this year when active. He's he's siphoned off a good amount of carries from Montgomery. Uh, next up, Nick Chubb will play this week against New Orleans despite that foot injury. So if you're relying on him, he's wheels up. Uh, that's a good sign there for him. Latavius Murray, though, did not practice Thursday with a foot injury. If he can't go, Marlon Mack becomes an interesting option here if you're desperate. Um, he, he filled in, you know, here and there, but he, he keeps scoring touchdowns for, for, uh, Denver. So potentially an option if you're very desperate there, he's probably still in your waiver wire as well. Uh, Damian Harris listed as questionable to play Saturday. He's not somebody you were probably starting, uh, at least not if you're this far into the playoffs, but if he doesn't play Ramondre, all of a sudden is a top 10 play this week. I mean, he was a very good play anyway. Uh, but he's probably a top 10 running back here with Damian Harris out up against the Cincinnati defense. It's pretty, pretty average. Um, Chris Olave and Jarvis Landry are both out this week. Uh, Rashid Shahid is a guy that I've seen some people say they might look to, uh, but Juwan Johnson, the tight end, would really be the only passing game option I'd even consider this week. Uh, he is a converted wide receiver uh, into a tight end, so he could be more active in the passing game with all those other options out. Um, I'm not sure. I'm sure I'm not breaking any news here, but in case you know you've been under a rock, um, Jalen Hurts is not playing this week against Dallas. Gardner Minshew will get the start, which means Miles Sanders maybe he won't have three touchdowns vultured from him this week. Uh, so he should be actually a really nice option this week as well. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo and Debo are both ruled out for San Francisco for the game on Saturday, so just accordingly with Debo. Uh, Kenneth Walker is expected to play through his ankle and back issues this week, um, going up against a Kansas City defense where they will likely need him. And then Ryan Tannehill is out this week with an ankle injury. Uh, Malik Willis will be getting the start, meaning I'm avoiding Traylon Burks, even if he does get cleared from his concussion. Because uh, that is a uh, Malik Willis has not been particularly good this year passing the ball. All right, three under the radar uh, starts this week, or you know, guys that are I think will be outperform expectations is probably a better way to put it. Um, first up, AJ Dillon, uh, he's been touchdown dependent this year, without a doubt. But he has been hot lately. He's got four touchdowns in his last three games. In his last three weeks, he's been RB thirteen, RB six, and RB nine. Um, he's been getting a little work in the passing game, too, with at least three targets and three catches in each of those last three games, uh, which has helped to bolster his floor a little bit here. Um, so he's got the touchdown ceiling. He's got a little bit better of a floor uh, than he's been seeing earlier in the year. And they get Miami this week, who currently gives up the 11th most points to running backs this season. Now, this is one of the few games here that won't uh, on the slate this weekend that won't really be affected by the weather. Um, so, you know, if it was uh, the weather in Green Bay, he would be even a better play this week, but I still like him down there in Miami. That's uh, a soft defense. He's been hot. Um, fire him up as a flex this week. I, I think he's going to have a nice week. Uh, next up, we have Jerry Judy, who's probably the, the player I like the most on these three uh, out of these three here. In the last two games with Corton Sutton out for a ham with a hamstring injury, Jerry Judy has eight and nine targets, seven and eight catches respectively, and went over 70 yards in both of those games. 
And then two weeks ago, he did have that huge three touchdown performance. Uh, he might not have that again this week, um, but he has been very solid the last two weeks. And while Sutton did return to practice from with his hamstring injury, he was limited on Wednesday and Thursday. So definitely keep an eye on, on whether he's going to end up being able to go this week. But even if he's not, Russell Wilson is back from his concussion this week. So we won't have to deal with Brett Wright being out there uh, at a quarterback. We'll have Russ um, for better or for worse. Um, and Latavius Murray is banged up as well, like I mentioned earlier. So the run game might not be quite as strong as it normally is. And this Rams defense that they play this week gives up the 12th most yards on the year. Uh, passing but the fourth fewest rush yards so they are more of a pass funnel defense um i i think this is if if denver is going to move the ball well on them they're going to have to throw the ball and i think jerry judy is going to continue the nice performances he's seen the past two weeks uh, and he'll be a nice option for you this week and the last one i have here is isaiah pacheco now i know everybody's uh, going to be saying about Jarek mckinnon uh, he's been the hot name the past two weeks he's had two huge weeks Eight catches for 70 yards and a touchdown last week. He had a touchdown on the ground as well. And then seven catches, 112 yards, and two touchdowns the week before. If you're listening to those stat lines, um, that sounds more like a wide receiver. And that's because that's really how they've been using him. They've been using him a lot in the pass game. McKinnon has only gotten double-digit carries once, uh, while Pacheco has had double-digit carries in six straight games. So Isaiah Pacheco is the one that gets the groundwork here. And going up against Seattle this week, Seattle gives up the second most rush yards per game on the year with uh, an average of 161.1 yards against. Their pass defense has literally been league average this year, giving up the 17th most yards. Uh, so league average pass defense, bad rush defense. And over their last three games, teams have really been able to run all over Seattle. Uh, they've given up the second most rush yards per game over the last three games with an average of 188 rush yards. They've also given up the third fewest pass yards per game with 154.7 average pass yards against. So teams have really been taking advantage of that soft run defense. I expect the Chiefs to be able to do the same. The game script for the Chiefs the past two games has been a little weird. Um, they had that overtime game last week against Houston, a team you would have expected them to beat pretty handily. Uh, the week before that, uh, they kind of struggled with Denver, uh, even after Russ Wilson went out. So um, I, I think Kansas City is going to get back on track this week. And, and not that they've lost those games, but they're still going to get back on track here this week. And, and I think the positive game script is going to work in Pacheco's favor. Uh, before we get into the preview of the early declares for the 2023 rookie class here, this podcast is part of the Fantasy Points Media Group, along with a ton of other great pods. You can follow all of them on Twitter at Fantasy Points Live or check out the Friday drops that recap the week in the Fantasy Points Media Group. And if you're looking for additional NFL or CFF content, Fantasy Points is a great resource. Uh, they have a new promotion going on right now um, for the early part of an early bird of 2023. Uh, go over to their site, check that out, use that promo code, uh, and we will have a promo code for you uh, later on in the new year if you'd like to sign up with them and support us at the same time. All right, into the early declares from the 2023 rookie class. These are players who have already announced that they are declaring for the draft. Like I said, this is not a fully exhaustive list here. There may be a player or two that I missed, um, whether intentionally or unintentionally, because this is a little bit of a longer list here. Uh, we have about 26, 27 players on here. Um, 
But you'll also notice that players like Bryce Young and, and CJ Stroud aren't on here yet. They are, you know, obviously still playing. They have the playoffs here. So that players um, like them and others still have until the middle of January to declare. So this is just a, a preview here of this where we're going to have add more names to this list. Uh, but we'll start with the quarterback position here. And, and obviously you have to start with Anthony Richardson, uh, one of the most polarizing prospects in this class. Uh, some people are huge fans of his uh, and other people think he needs a lot of work and, you know, count me and and a lot of us over at C2C in, in the latter. Um, you know, he, he started off the year, he really struggled. Uh, there was a stack going around where he had more uh, tackles than touchdown passes. Um, so obviously not the start that you wanted, but he finished the year pretty strong. I uh, ended up throwing for over 2,500 yards, 17 touchdowns, nine interceptions, on a 53.8% completion percentage. Uh, obviously, the completion percentage is a bit of an issue. Uh, definitely going to need to get that cleaned up. And, and that just kind of highlights some of the things that he needs to work on. But he did finish the year a lot stronger than what he started the year. And he started to show some, some signs of that improvement. And I think the NFL teams will take notice. Now, surprisingly, this year, Anthony Richardson only rushed for 654 yards. Now, he did add nine touchdowns with that. But... Um, if anybody knows Anthony Richardson's game, he has he's phenomenal with his legs. He's a game-breaking athlete, one of the best athletes at the quarterback position, probably that we've ever seen. You know, he's six foot four, two hundred and thirty-seven pounds, so he's more on the Cam Newton spectrum than he is on the Lamar Jackson. But he's still a phenomenal athlete, and that's what's really going to kind of entice some teams is those tools. Um, athlete, he's probably going to run for four. Maybe he, I don't think he'll hit four, three, but I think four, four definitely uh, is in the wheelhouse for him. Um, and he's got a huge arm, big time arm. So he's got the tools there. He's a guy that I think is probably ultimately going to be taken in the first round. Although I could see him following maybe more Jalen hurts path going early second, uh, going somewhere where he could sit for a little bit and learn the offense and learn, uh, and improve some of his, his, his flaws. Um, but we have a tool over at the website. Uh, it's an athletic comparison tool. It takes a look at these guys' metrics. Uh, now, it takes a look at them from high school. Uh, we, we don't pull in a lot of the combine data here, but it takes a look at a lot of these guys from high school here. And, and obviously, Anthony Richardson hasn't gone to the combine yet. So this is all the data that we have here. But um, his athletic comparison is very interesting here. It's Vince Young. Um, six foot five, 229 pounds for Young. Six foot four, 237 for Richardson. Um, both guys very mobile, both guys with a big arm. I think this is pretty apt here, actually. Um, so I, th I think he has that kind of ceiling in him if he can put it all together, if he can learn, and, and he can reach it. So definitely one of the more polarizing and interesting players in the draft class to follow along here. He's probably the QB3 in the class for me, honestly. I, I don't think – well, he definitely is. It's, it's not particularly close uh, between him and the next guy here that we'll talk about, and that's Will Levis, quarterback from Kentucky. Uh, he's another guy that people have been kind of hyping up as a first round, uh, potential first round NFL pick here. You know, there's been a couple of rumors out there that maybe some teams are floating some misinformation out there about how much they like Will Levis in hopes that another team will um, reach on him. I don't know how much of that's true, but all it really takes is one team to fall in love with him and his tools. And while he doesn't have Anthony Richardson level tools, he does have a big time arm. Uh, he is pretty mobile. Uh, this year was a down year for him, 2,400 yards, 19 touchdowns, 10 interceptions, 65% uh, completion percentage, 
Um, last year, 2,800 yards, 24 touchdowns, 13 interceptions uh, with a 66% completion percentage. Uh, and last year, he actually did pretty well on the ground. Um, he rushed for over 300 yards. Um, but this year, he, he actually rushed for negative 100 yards on the year. Uh, and that just, if you're wondering how that happens, college considers rush uh, sack yardage uh, as rush yardage. So he got sacked a lot this year. That offensive line was kind of a problem. And that's one of the things you'll hear his his truthers say is that the his offensive line was not good this year and the skill position players weren't good. And that was the reason for his step back. I'd push back a little bit on the skill position players. Now, he did lose Wandale Robinson to the NFL, which definitely hurts. Um, but they brought in Tavian Robinson, who's a pretty solid um, wide receiver there. They brought him in as a transfer from Virginia Tech. He's decent. Uh, they also brought in another transfer from Alabama, Javon Baker. And then they had two freshmen this year who who played really well, uh, and Barry and Brown and Dane Key. Both of those guys performed better than expected, and they, they really rounded out that, that wide receiver core. So it was young with those two, but it was still pretty talented here. I, I don't really blame the wide receivers for his struggles this year. I think that's just kind of who Will Levis is. Uh, he's a, play, a player who really beat up on the poor competition and really struggled in the SEC when, when they got into SEC play both years, this year and last year, even his best year. Um, so I'm not the biggest uh, Will Levis stan out there. I know some people are. Does he go in the first round? If, if you made me bet on it, I would say no, but it only takes one team. Um so, and there are a number of quarterback needy teams, you know, like Matt uh, Bruning and I talked about last week, there's probably going to be more open chairs in the quarterback rooms than there are bodies to fill them. So maybe he does get that first round draft capital. I think that would kind of be a mistake, but if he does get that first round draft capital, you know, then you can kind of look as a parallel to the player that really came up as the athletic comp for him on our athletic comparison tool over on the website at campus Canton.com. Uh, that is, Athletic comparison for him is Tim Tebow. Um, Anthony or uh, Will Levis was 6'3, 222 pounds. Tim Tebow, 6'3, 236. Um, both big arms, um, both pretty mobile and athletic, but they're more, uh, they're, they're not the Anthony Richardson, Lamar Jackson, Kyler Murray, make you miss type of athletes. They're um, just kind of guys who are going to pick up some yards with their legs on scrambles. Um, they're a little bit bigger guys, so they can take a beating. Um, I think that's, that could be a, a similar career path for him. And, and if anybody remembers Tim Tebow, he had a couple flashes in the sun, but ultimately proved not to really be uh, an NFL quarterback. And I think that's probably where we'll end up with, with Will Levis, unless he takes some significant strides here. Cause just not a guy that I see it with at this point. And then the last quarterback we'll talk about, uh, Tanner McKee quarterback from Stanford, um, pro football focus is big fan of Tanner McKee. That's really the only place that I have seen. Um, hyping him up now uh, he's a, a little bit older than what you would think um, in this class he he did go on a mission trip no he's he's stanford but uh he is a church of the latter-day saints so he took a mission trip here he took a year off uh, or two years off um, he's from the class of 2018 um he he's been solid um he threw for 2900 yards this year uh, 13 touchdowns, eight interceptions, and this is a a not very good Stanford team this year. Um, so the yards are kind of impressive, uh, and more impressively is the 62% completion percentage, which is actually down 
from 65% last year. Um, Tanner McKee hit on his, uh, he's six foot six, 266, 226 pounds. Um, so big guy on his athletic comparison tool. Uh, you, you see Drew Locke, you see Joe Flacco. Uh, and I think that's probably along the lines of where he's at. I think he's a little more Drew Locke than he is Joe Flacco. So, you know, Pro Football Focus has him mocked in the first round. Um, that's really the only place that I've seen that. I would be surprised if he goes in the first round. Uh, he seems more likely to maybe go in that Drew Locke range where it's in the second round here. Um, Davis Webb is also on that list, the quarterback from Cal a couple of years ago. He's also in the in the second round. So I think that's probably where we're looking at for Tanner McKee. Um, you know, maybe he he slips into the third, but I don't see him going in the first round. And I, I think he is um, going to be a similar player to Drew Locke, where just probably not ultimately going to end up being a long-term NFL starter. Maybe he'll get a couple spot starts. But I think the quarterback um, from Stanford two years ago, Davis Mills, is a better overall player than McKee is. So McKee's not really a guy that I'm all that interested in. You know, if, if you're really quarterback hungry, maybe you could take him in like the third or fourth round of your rookie draft, but not really a player I'm interested in too much. Uh, into the running backs here. Uh, first off, uh, this is just kind of an alphabetical order here. Other than that, not any really particular um, order. Uh, we'll start here with uh, Israel Abanaconda, running back for Pittsburgh. Now, he entered the year here um, this year. Rodney Hammond was expected to factor significantly in that backfield at Pittsburgh. Rodney Hammond gets hurt right off the bat uh, in game one. And Israel Abanaconda takes over and never looks back. Uh, 1,400 yards, 20 touchdowns on the ground, 12 catches, 146 yards through the air, which is actually uh, down from last year's total of 24 catches. So he catches the ball decently, uh, runs the ball very well. He's big, 5'11", 215 pounds, and he's athletic too. Uh, again, mentioning that athletic comparison tool, Joseph Adai, Marshawn Lynch, um, Nick Chubb and Jonathan Taylor are on that list as well. They're a little bit further down. Joseph Adai and Marshawn Lynch are his top two. So pretty athletic guy at a, at a good size. I think the NFL is going to like him. I think he's going to test well. We were talking about there. He's got that size. Um, he just put up a huge year here. Catches the pass, catches some passes. So he has a little bit of versatility. Um, ultimately, I think the NFL is going to like him. He's probably a day two guy, back end of the day two. But even if he falls into that fourth round, early fourth round role or um, spot. I, I think he could be similar to a Ramondre Stevenson where, you know, he can take over a backfield. He is that talented. So I, I know it'll get, so, get some laughs saying that he could get a day two draft capital there, but I really think this running back class is good. I could see eight to 10 guys getting day two draft capital this year, um, which isn't crazy. It's happened before. And I think Israel Bonacana could be in that eight to 10 list. Uh, next up, we have Devin Achain, who is going to be a little bit more polarizing of a running back here. Um, he is tiny, 5'9", 185. Now, he is a track star. Um, he is he was an all-SEC track athlete. Uh, he was a couple hundredths of a second off of the Olympic qualifying time for the 100 meters. So this dude is fast. It's a guy that I could potentially see breaking the combine record. If anybody's going to do it, this year, it's, I think it's going to be Devin Achain. Um, He had a nice year this year as well for a struggling Texas A&M team. 1,100 yards, eight touchdowns on the ground, 36 catches, 196 yards, and three touchdowns through the air. 
And last year, um, he was splitting carries there at Texas A&M with Isaiah Spiller, who's a guy that the fantasy community liked a lot. He was most people's RB2, RB3 in the class. I know Noah Hills, um, shout out to uh, Noah More Parties on Twitter, who does a, a hero RB show for us in the offseason last year. I was not a big fan of Isaiah Spiller. Um, and highlighted some reasons why. And one of them was that Devin Achim was much more efficient than him last year. Um, so while splitting carries last year with Isaiah Spiller, Devin Achim put up 910 yards and nine touchdowns with 24 catches, 261 yards, and one touchdown through the air as well. So he uh, catches passes pretty well. Uh, and, and despite being 5'9", 185 pounds, I, I really like Devin Achim's uh, rushing ability, the way he runs between the tackles is is very good for a guy that size he's not just looking to bounce everything outside um despite his size and speed and, and actually i think at times he's almost too patient he almost looks to get north and south too much uh, given how fast he is i would like to see him get the edge a couple of more times um in games because he has that game breaking speed where if he gets open field nobody is catching this guy um you know like i said 185 there I, I, he was running track the hope with Devin Achain is that he can put on 10 pounds, get up to 195 this offseason. You know, maybe he was keeping his weight down for track. Who knows? But if he can get up to 10 pounds and keep that, you know, low 4-3, maybe in a high 4-2 uh, speed, I could see NFL teams liking him. And, you know, if he can do that, I was putting him in the bucket with, you know, Jamal Charles, CJ Spiller, CJ2K. Um, that is like the kind of mold that you could, that, that is like his ceiling. That's where you would hope he would be. When I was looking him up in the athletic comparison tool at our site, it spit out a really interesting name to me. And I think this may be his path actually, um, as the more I look at it, his path could follow similarly to Warwick Dunn, um, for anybody, anybody out there is a little bit younger. Warwick Dunn was on that, uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers team from the, uh, you know, mid two thousands. Uh, he was also on the Falcons for a little while there as well. And he, when he was on the Buccaneers, he split carries a lot with Mike Allstott, who's a fullback. But uh, I, I think, you know, he still had a really nice career: five one thousand yard seasons, nine seasons over thirty five catches. Uh, he got involved in the passing game and the running game. He was a complimentary type of a guy, but still uh, a really nice one two punch. And I think that may be the way Devin Achain goes. I know Warwick Dunn is an older player and the game has definitely changed since then. Um, but I think that teams are more trending towards committee backs than they really have been before. Uh, I don't know if Jamal Charles and CJ Spiller and CJ 2K would have been guys who led their backfield if it was uh, today's day and age because it's harder and harder to be a bell cow running back. Um, NFL teams, even if you're, uh, even if you're Jonathan Taylor, the Colts have been misusing him for years and, and splitting carries with him. So NFL teams don't really seem to want to give the ball to one guy. At least most NFL teams don't really seem to want to give the ball to one guy. So Devin Ochin can come in there and be a really nice compliment and have a Warwick Dunn type career. I think that's a really, uh, nice outcome for Devin Ochin. So I'll be keeping an eye on, on him in the draft process here, but that speed, NFL teams are going to love that. Next up, we have Tank Bigsby, running back for Auburn. Really nice freshman season. And then the last two years, he's really struggled here. Last year, failed to crack 1,000 yards. 
He only had 970 yards. He did have 10 touchdowns on the ground. And he actually had 30 catches on the year as well, which was surprising to me. He had 24 catches the year before, uh, which kind of felt a little bit more in that in that range. I was surprised at the 30 catches here, but uh, catches the ball pretty well. And if anybody's been following Auburn or following college football, you know that Auburn program has been kind of a mess the last two years under Brian Harson. He's out. Uh, so, you know, there was some thought that maybe Tank Bigby could come back to rehab that stock a little bit, but that's not the case. He's heading off to the NFL. Uh, he's a big guy, a six foot, 213 pounds. Um, he's pretty athletic. You know, he's not the most athletic guy out there, but I think he'll test decently well, probably a mid four, five, 40, you know, like a four, five, five ish, um, is probably what we'll be looking at for him. Uh, the athletic comparison tool, um, spit out two names, Jamal Williams, the current running back over there in Detroit and Jeff Wilson, uh, running back. He was in San Francisco now in, in Miami. Um, those two guys are, are guys that have found some success here more recently, um, decently athletic guys as well. So I think, you know, tank Bigsby should end up testing fairly well. He's a guy that's been very quiet, uh, lately, especially in NFL circles. I haven't really heard any buzz about him, but, uh, even in the fantasy community, people are kind of backing off of him a little bit here after those two down years. So I'll be interested to see what the NFL, how the NFL views those two years, because I think he's uh, a fringe day two guy. I think ultimately he'll go in the third round, uh, but it wouldn't surprise me that much if we see him go in the early part of the fourth round, you know, kind of similar range to Israel Bonaconda. Um So if he gets that day two draft capital, that's really going to help him out here. He's a guy that it'll be worth paying attention to in this process because a guy that we liked a lot before and has kind of faded a little bit here. Uh, next up, we have Tyon Evans running back for Louisville, uh, formerly of Juco, formerly of Tennessee. Uh, so he went Juco and then transferred to Tennessee uh, last year, split carries with Jabari small over there. Never really stood out, never really shined transfers to Louisville this year, kind of more of the same. Now he's banged up a little bit this year. He only played in eight games. Uh, but he only had 83 carries for 525 yards and six touchdowns uh, with six catches for 13 yards on the ground. So pretty much nothing in the passing game. I uh, really, he's, he's failed to stand out in two places now, um, which is, is kind of a problem. So I don't think the NFL is going to particularly love him here. He's not the most athletic guy either. He's got good size, 5'11", 220 pounds. Um, but his uh, athletic comparisons, his Abram Smith um, running back from Baylor, who uh, was in this year's class, the 2022 rookie class, went undrafted and signed with the Saints before ultimately getting cut. Uh, I think that's probably more the route that he he ends up going. Uh, but Eddie Lacy was on that list as well. Um, so bigger guy for Tyon Evans, more of a bruiser. Uh, but ultimately, I don't think this is a guy that we need to watch, don't need to pay that much attention to here. I see him probably going undrafted and maybe following a similar route as Abram Smith. Uh, next up, Evan Hall, running back from Northwestern, and he's one of the biggest surprises of the year here. Uh, but maybe, maybe he shouldn't have been. Uh, like I mentioned, Noah Hills uh, does that Hero RB show, and he was a big fan of uh, Evan Hall uh, coming into the year here. And, and Evan Hall started out the year really hot for that Northwestern team. Uh, ended up finishing really nice: two hundred twenty-one carries, nine hundred thirteen yards, and five touchdowns, with fifty-five catches for 546 yards and two touchdowns through the air. Last year, he was over 1,000 yards rushing with seven touchdowns and 33 catches for 264 yards and two touchdowns last year. So past two years combined, 88 catches. This is a guy who 
you know, you're probably not going to split him out wide. You're not going to use him like, um, you're probably not using him like a DeAndre Swift. Um, probably not even like an Austin Eckler or an Aaron Jones or anything like that. But this is a guy that can catch the ball well. You know, he's not a zero in the passing game. You can definitely keep him on the field on all three downs. And he's got good size too. 511, 210, 5 foot 11, 210 pounds. Um, so pretty big guy, good size there. His athletic comps are very interesting. Uh, he's got Miles Sanders and Noshan Moreno on that athletic comparison list. Uh, so he's in, in pretty good company there athletically. I'll be interested to see how he tests because I didn't see quite the Miles Sanders level of an athlete um, from him on the field this year. But maybe he'll test a little bit better than we think. But I don't think he's going to test bad. Um, but ultimately, I, I don't know if he ends up cracking that day two uh, location uh, like group. I think he's probably more in the in the day three, probably more like a late fourth round, maybe a fifth round type of a guy. But he's a guy to keep an eye on. He could follow that Ramondre Stevenson path that I mentioned a little bit earlier, or you know where he goes in the fourth round. Uh, into a backfield and just ends up kind of asserting himself because I think Evan Hall is a good player. So he's definitely got to keep an eye on probably in like your third round of your rookie drafts, especially depending on landing spot. Uh, next up, we have Bijan Robinson running back for Texas. It's really everybody's running back one here. No surprise. Bijan Robinson is one of the best running back prospects we've had it in a while. Um, you know, he's, he's on that Saquon Barkley, Ezekiel Elliott level of a prospect, you know, even a better prospect than like a Jonathan Taylor from last year. Um, now he has uh, 258 carries this year for 1,580 yards and 18 touchdowns. Definitely uh, a nice year there this year that surprisingly though, only 19 catches uh, for th 314 yards and two touchdowns. I thought he was more involved in that passing game. So that was really interesting to me, but he did have 26 catches for 314 yards and four touchdowns the year before. So, I'm not worried about him in the passing game at all. Uh, he's a good pass catcher. Dynamic. He play in all three downs. Uh, he can hurt you in a number of different ways. He's big, six foot one, 220 pounds. Uh, his athletic comps were pretty interesting. I was expecting to see Saquon Barkley and Jonathan Taylor on this list, and they weren't. Um, there's a couple guys on here that were interesting. Jay Ajayi. Uh, running back out of Boise State, uh, he, was, he went to Miami, um, had a pretty nice uh, career there until he, he had some knee injuries there. But he's six foot two twenty one, so identical size. Uh, Rashad White, uh, rookie running back for Tampa Bay this year, is also on that list. Uh, Marion Barber is on that list as well. I don't think these guys really do Bijan justice. I think he's a better athlete than that. So I'll be interested to see how he tests. But either way, I think he's one of the the few running backs we could see be a first round running back here anymore. NFL is kind of moving away from first round running backs, uh, but I think Bijan could be the next first round running back there. Uh, and if the Falcons take him, I would be ecstatic. Although it'd probably be uh, with like a top 10 pick and maybe you don't take a running back in the top 10, but um, Bijan Robinson, fantastic prospect. He's your one, one in rookie drafts. Next up, we have Tavian Thomas running back for Utah uh, and through he only had 10, he only played in 10 games this year. He had a little bit of an odd uh, year this year where, you know, last year he had 1,100 yards and 21 touchdowns on the ground. He really emerged as the guy. We went into this year thinking he was going to be the guy in that Utah backfield. And he was kind of in and out of the lineup. There were rumors of some personal things going on. So I don't know exactly 
what that situation was. I'm not going to sit here and speculate on it. He had a decent year, 142 carries, 687 yards, seven touchdowns. So not the year we thought, but not atrocious. Six catches, 43 yards. He's really irrelevant in the passing game. He's not a guy you're going to throw the ball to here. He's a big dude, though. 6'2", 238 pounds. Um, you know, so he's a, he's a battering ram. His athletic comparison, uh, he had Najee Harris listed, uh, but I think Najee Harris is way more nimble on his feet than Tavian Thomas is. Uh, so he also had Michael Bush on that list. And I think Michael Bush is probably closer to that Tavian Thomas, uh, to Tavian Thomas than, than Tavian Thomas is to Najee Harris. Another guy that is similar to Tyon Evans, where I don't, I don't know if I see him getting drafted. I mean, I, I, I think he's going to struggle at the combine. He's, he's not going to test well. So maybe he goes in like the sixth or seventh round, but I don't see him going too much earlier than that. Um, Probably a guy we can ignore mostly for our rookie drafts here. I think he's similar to another Utah running back in Zach Moss that really has not done what we thought he, what some people thought he was going to do in the NFL. So Davian Thomas, not really a guy that I'm all that interested in here. Um, but the next guy, the last guy on this list, Sean Tucker, running back from Syracuse. Uh, he's another interesting prospect, you know, maybe a little bit polarizing. Um, he had last year, 246 carries for almost 1500 yards, 1496, um, 12 touchdowns. He had 20 catches for 255 yards and two touchdowns. So coming into this year, high expectations for him. Um, only 206 carries. So carries are down a little bit, only 1,058 yards to have 11 touchdowns. Uh, he had more work in the passing game though, 36 catches, um, for actually an identical 255 yards and two touchdowns. And the down year here, I'm mostly attributing to the change in offensive coordinator over there at Syracuse. Um, he, they brought in Robert Anai, who was formerly of Virginia. Uh, Robert Anai relies a little bit more on, on rushing quarterbacks, at least um, when he has had rushing quarterbacks, he's not afraid to use them like he had with Garrett Schrader this year. Uh, and he, Robert Anai is a little bit more pass heavy. Um, so change in philosophy a little bit kind of leads to some lower numbers for Sean Tucker. There leads to a little bit of a disappointing year, but ultimately I think it was a good idea for, for him to come out this year. Um, he's 5'11, 209 pounds. So he's got good size. My big worry is that Syracuse uh, logo uh, on his helmet there. You know, um, I, I don't know how the NFL is going to view that Syracuse pedigree compared to some other running backs in this class. And it's a deep class we've been talking about. I do think eight to 10 can go in the second round in this in day two. I think he'll probably end up getting day two draft capital, but it's probably going to be in the third round. I've come around a little bit more on him. And some of that has to do with the athletic comps here that I'm going to get to in a second. Um, but Sean Tucker is right on that. I, I think Sean Tucker ultimately is going to be on that uh, day two, day three borderline. He should test pretty well. Um, you know, 5'11", 209 pounds. The athletic comparisons he has here, Marshall Falk and Thomas Jones. Uh, I don't think he's going to end up being Marshall Falk. Obviously, hard to predict somebody to be a Hall of Famer. But Thomas Jones, also a very nice NFL career. And and I I, th I think I could see that. Uh, I think I could see that in his in his range of outcomes here. So, you know, if he if, if he can do that, maybe he does get that date. It goes round three. Um, I'll be a lot more interested in him, but he's a guy that'll be watching very closely here to kind of hear what the NFL thinks of him. 
because he's pretty high in a lot of fantasy analysts' radar. I will move into wide receivers. Uh, we'll start off here. This again is just in, um, in no particular order here. Uh, Nathaniel Dell, wide receiver for Houston. Uh, huge year this year, 103 yards, uh, thir- or 103 receptions for 1,300 yards and 15 touchdowns. Um, we hit a big year last year, so coming into this year, it's not really a surprise. Now, uh, his, his, the concern with Dell is his size. Despite his nickname of Tank, um, he's 5'10", 165 pounds. So he's small. He's slot only. Uh, he's pretty athletic, but he's not going to blow the doors off of the combine. Uh, his athletic comparison was Deontay Harris, the, the current wide receiver there for the Saints. That was really the only notable name in that profile. So uh, I'll be interested to see where the NFL takes him, but ultimately I think he's probably like a round four guy. I don't see him getting day two draft capital. He's just too small coming from Houston. Um, you know, I think he's probably more in that Calvin Austin um, range, but but less athletic. Uh, Calvin Austin in terms of that draft capital there. Um, so he's probably a guy, you know, maybe taking like the third round, fourth round of your rookie drafts, maybe, but I'm not taking him too much earlier than that. He was CFF star, you know, probably a role player in the NFL. Next up, we have Devin Carter for NC State. Um, this one's a little bit perplexing. I'm not entirely sure why he came out this year, uh, especially given that Robert and I, the guy I mentioned earlier, um, when I was talking about Syracuse, who likes to throw the ball more. Robert and I is now the offensive coordinator over there at NC State. So he, Devin Carter could have improved off of his, his numbers from this year, next year. Um, 25 catches, 406 yards, and only two touchdowns. So pretty much a zero, a non-factor this year. Uh, and, and NC State, you know, Devin Leary struggled with quarterback play. You know, then they went, he got hurt. They went to some backups. MJ Morris was in there, though. MJ Morris looked pretty good. So it's hard to fault Devin, or it's hard to uh, give Devin Carter a pass on that. Uh, the big thing with Carter has going for him, he's 6'3", 215 pounds. So he's a bigger guy. He's got that prototypical size. Uh, his athletic comparisons weren't overly interesting. He has Malik McLean on there, who's a current wide receiver for Florida State. Uh, but if we're playing six degrees of Kevin Bacon here, Malik McLean has Drake London in his athletic comparison profile. I don't think Devin Carter is going to be nearly as athletic as, as Drake London. Now, Drake London played D1 basketball at, at USC for a little bit. You know, he didn't get on the floor a ton, but he was still on the team. He made a D1 basketball team. He was a D1 two-sport athlete, and that takes a lot of athleticism. I don't know if Devin Carter is going to get that level of athleticism. I think ultimately he's a guy that we can ignore as well. He'll be lucky, I think, if he gets drafted in like the sixth or seventh. one. I don't know if he gets drafted at all. Uh, next up, though, Josh Downs. Uh, for a wide receiver for North Carolina here, huge year last year, followed up with a, a nice year this year as well, slightly down 94 catches, 1,029 yards and 11 touchdowns. Um, but he was the big target there for uh, Drake May. And I say big as in uh, on the field presence is certainly not his size. He's 5'10", 175 pounds, smaller guy, probably a slot only. Now I've been hearing um, you know, some first round draft buzz there. Maybe I don't see that personally. I don't think he's going to go in the first round. Now, Austin and I, uh, a couple weeks ago, talked about the Phil Longo effect and, and whether that was real or not. 
um, Austin pushed back on on that narrative here, and and I'm you know after looking into it, I'm kind of trending in that direction a little bit. Although uh, you know I've heard people falsely uh, attributing Elijah Moore to Phil Longo. Elijah Moore was um, Phil Longo was only there for Elijah Moore's freshman year. Uh, he left Longo left after that AJ Brown and DK Metcalf Metcalf class. Uh, so he didn't really do much with uh, Elijah Moore. Elijah Moore is more of a credit to Jeff Levy, who replaced him there. Um, but Longo does have A.J. Brown and D.K. Metcalf from his time there in Ole Miss. And ultimately, the the issue with the you know saying that the NFL doesn't like the Longo wide receivers is we probably just don't have a big enough sample size from that. You know, the only two teams he's coached were Ole Miss uh, for two years and um, North Carolina for three. So, but AJ Brown, DK Metcalf were both second round guys. Um, neither one of them, though, were top 50 picks, which is, I think, why I have a hard time seeing Josh Downs um, go in the first round. You know, so can, can Josh Downs be the guy who bucks that um, top 50 pick? Um, maybe. I don't think he goes in the first round, but I could see him going in that 40 to 50 range for, for wide receivers. So, you know, mid to early second round i think is probably where he'll ultimately settle in because like i said he's small he's really a slot only i don't know if the nfl is going to take a guy like that in the first round now he does have some nice uh, athletic comps uh, he's an athletic guy he's, i think he's going to test pretty well and on his athletic comparison list he has isaac bruce and dennis northcutt um and then he also has zachariah branch who is a uh, 2020 uh He's a 2023 fresh incoming freshman here going to USC number one wide receiver in the class five-star guy. So um, that's an, that's a nice list to be on there. I think he'll test pretty well. Uh, I don't know if he's a guy that I'm going to take in the first round of rookie drafts. It probably depends on where I end up, but he'll probably be in the back half of your first round for rookie drafts. So if you're Josh down fan, Josh downs fan, probably going to have to take him in that first round. So that's why I don't know if I'll end up with any of them. There are definitely people out there higher on him than I am. Uh, next up, we have Bryce Ford Wheaton, wide receiver for West Virginia. Uh, he had a pretty pretty solid year this year. 62 catches, 675 yards, and seven touchdowns. Now, that West Virginia team was also kind of a dumpster fire. I have no idea how they kept their head coach. Uh, that's a travesty that they <laughs> still have him there um, because there was kind of a mass exodus uh, of Bryce uh, Ford players from West Virginia, especially in that wide receiver room, Bryce Ford Wheaton uh, heading to the draft, Sam James, who I'll mention a little bit later is kind of a footnote. He left for the NFL. Um, Caden Prather, the third wide receiver for that room, also in the portal. So a lot of guys getting out of Dodge there. Now back to Bryce Ford Wheaton. He's a bigger guy, 6'3", 224 pounds. He's got that prototypical size. Uh, he has a couple of interesting names in his uh, athletic comparison profile. He's got Michael Thomas, Allen Robinson, Marvin Harrison Jr. in that list. Uh, now I, I don't think he's half the player uh, of either of those three. Uh, I think ultimately he will do well to get taken in the draft. Probably another guy that you're looking at, you know, maybe a sixth round pick or so. Um, maybe he sticks around at the end of a roster, but largely a guy that I think we can ignore. Uh, next up, we have uh, Jaden Hazelwood. Um, wide receiver for Arkansas, a former five-star wide receiver from Oklahoma. 
Um, he had a, a decent year there for Arkansas this year. Didn't realize he had 702 yards. Uh, Arkansas, more of a, a run-heavy offense. K.J. Jefferson, not the best passer. They kind of had to scheme Traylon Burks the ball in some creative ways to get him uh, his production. Uh, but Jaden Hazelwood, 59 catches, 702 yards, only three touchdowns, though. Um, he was kind of irrelevant at uh, at Oklahoma. Like he was just decent, never really stood out. Um, I don't think the NFL is going to love Jaden Hazelwood. I think ultimately he'll probably get taken in like the fifth-ish round uh, or so, somewhere around there. Uh, he's not the most athletic guy either. Uh, his athletic comparisons like a Jacoby Myers, uh, a Chad Johnson. I don't think Chad Johnson is in his range of outcomes, but he could do well to, to have a uh, Jacoby Myers type career. Um, so probably not a guy that we need to pay too much attention to for rookie drafts, but Maybe if the buzz around him starts to heat up a little bit, um, you know, maybe maybe keep an eye on him. Could be like a fourth round, very end of the end of your draft type of a dart throw, depending on where he ends up. But ultimately, not a guy that we need to worry about too much there. The next guy, though, is a guy that we should be paying attention to here. That's Jalen Hyatt, wide receiver for Tennessee, uh, reigning Bolitnikoff Award winner, best wide receiver in the country. Whether you agree with that or not. Uh, not really for us to say he won the award uh, 67 catches 1267 yards and 15 touchdowns this year really nice year for him at Tennessee uh, a lot of his production came when Cedric Tillman the presumed wide receiver one was out um, Jalen Hyatt I don't think can be a wide receiver one in the NFL a six foot 180 pounds um, but he's not really your ex type of a guy he's more of a field stretcher uh, take the top off of the defense here. And he does that very well. We saw that this year. We saw that against Alabama. Um, he he tore open Alabama's secondary there over the top. I don't know if the NFL is going to let him do that, um, but he has the speed to do it. Uh, his athletic comparisons tool, um, Stephon Diggs, Garrett Wilson, Anthony Schwartz on that list. I think he is more athletic than Diggs and Wilson, but he's not nearly as refined of a route runner or a receiver as those two guys. So I think we can largely toss those two out and focus more on Anthony Schwartz, uh, wide receiver from Auburn a couple years ago, got drafted by Cleveland and on fire. You know, he ran a, a lot as well. Uh, Jalen Heights, a guy who's going to test very well. He's very, very fast. Um, I've heard some people say maybe he gets, he hits four, two. I don't know if I see that, but a, a, you know, mid to low four, three. Yeah, absolutely. I can see a four, three, three in his range. Um, he's, he's very, very fast there. And the NFL loves speed. So, you know, talking about Josh Downs, I don't know if I see him going in the first round. Jalen Hyatt's a guy that I could see the NFL taking in the first round. He's a little bit bigger can play on the outside. He's got that blazing speed. He's got the Bolitnikoff award in his back pocket. Uh, he's a guy, Jalen Hyatt's a guy that I think is going to be a candidate to be overdrafted this year in rookie drafts. Don't know if Jalen Hyatt is going to be a guy that we can rely on consistently at the NFL level for fantasy purposes. So, you know, when he gets that first round draft capital, I think you're going to start to see him creep up into the you know wide receiver two, maybe even the wide receiver one for some people in this class. And I don't think that's going to be him. So uh, if he gets taken in the first round of your rookie drafts, I think that's ultimately going to be a mistake. Uh, we'll move next here into Sam James, wide receiver for West Virginia, another guy that I touched on uh, briefly earlier. And you know, he had a decent year this year, 46 catches, 745 yards, six touchdowns. Uh, he's got a solid size, six foot, um, 176 pounds, so a little light. 
but um, ultimately, I don't know why he came out. I think he probably should have gone back, transferred somewhere else here. Uh, athletically, there was nobody noteworthy in his uh, comparisons. And if you know the, the next guy that I'm going to mention here with his athletic comparison, if I'm mentioning him and I'm saying there's nobody noteworthy for Sam James, that's actually probably noteworthy. Um, so Sam James, a guy that we can ignore, not one that we need to pay attention to. Uh, Rakeem Jarrett is the next guy, though, here. And he is a former high four-star guy. I don't believe he cracked five stars, but he was a high four-star in the, the class there. Went to Maryland. Uh, he had a nice freshman year. He tore up Penn State uh, on the same play twice. This little slant that he caught and took to the house. Uh, but other than that, really hasn't done that much. This year, 40 catches, 471 yards, and three touchdowns. Very disappointing year this year. Uh, last year, he had 62 catches, 829 yards, and five touchdowns, uh, which sounds pretty good. And that is a pretty good stat line. But uh, the wide receiver won for Maryland last year. Dante Demas went down um, mid, early mid part of the year last year uh, for the rest of the year with a knee injury. Uh, and Rakeem Jarrett like, never really stepped up into that wide receiver one role. I, I, there were zero games where he led um, – Maryland in receiving after Dante Demas went down most of the the guy who actually performed the best uh while you know uh, Dante Demas went down was the tight end uh who just came out here in this class um and I'm not going to try to pronounce his name here Chig Chig Aconquo. um he's at Tennessee now he's having a decent year here um but he was actually the one who who kind of stepped up the most when Demas went down. It wasn't Jarrett, uh, and that's kind of concerning. Now, Jarrett is uh, six foot, 190 pounds, so he's got pretty good size there. I think uh, skill set-wise, he's pretty versatile. He can play inside, outside. Um, athletically, I'll be really interested to see how he tests because I think he is pretty athletic, uh, but his athletic comparison tool didn't really put out anybody noteworthy, just A.J. Jenkins, um, former wide receiver from Illinois, um, he had a, a cup of coffee there in the NFL for a little while. He was a you know um, decently high draft pick there, um, but I, I so I'll be interested to see how he tests because I thought he would be he would have better athletic comps than that. But he's a guy that's really living off of his previous pedigree here, not really all that much off of production. You know, what does the NFL think of this guy? Uh, Austin, I kind of disagreed with this. Uh, you know, he thinks he's more likely to go round one than round four. I think he's more likely to go round four. Than round one. Uh, I don't know if the NFL see him as a day two guy. You know, maybe he sneaks into the back part of that third round, but ultimately I think he's a guy who's going to go in the fourth round, um, which is not necessarily a death knell for fantasy purposes, but it puts him in a bucket that makes it harder for him to uh, be successful for fantasy purposes at the NFL level. So definitely a guy that's going to be interesting to watch his process here. Um, next up, we have Trey Palmer. A wide receiver from Nebraska, transferred in from LSU. He was a four-star when he went to LSU. Kind of got buried on that LSU depth chart behind, you know, some names you might know like Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase, Terrace Marshall, Keishon Boutte. Um, Trey Palmer, you know, got on the field a little bit as, as with some special teams work um, and even a little bit his freshman year in, in the passing game. Um, but uh, ultimately, it didn't really do that much at LSU. Uh, transfers to Nebraska. And this is one of the guys that I was touting this year. I thought he was going to have a big year. Um, it was that Nebraska offense. 
improved. They had Mark Whipple at offensive coordinator who likes to throw the ball and kind of funnel it to one receiver. And we did see that. Uh, Trey Palmer, 71 catches, 1,046 yards, nine touchdowns. At one point, he was leading the uh, NFL or leading the NCAA in, re in receiving. Um, did not finish the year that way. He did kind of struggle a little bit down the stretch there. He had some tough matchups. Uh, he played like Iowa, Wisconsin, Illinois, Minnesota. He played some of those Big Ten defenses that are tough. Uh, so he didn't finish necessarily as strong, but declares for the draft. I think that was a good call on his part. He's six foot one, 190 pounds, so good size. I think he's got some versatility. I think he's inside outside versatile. Nebraska also gave him the ball on, you know, some sweeps. You can use him a little bit in the run game. He's pretty athletic. Now, as I say that, as athletic comparisons didn't actually have anybody that was noteworthy. Uh, nobody really that you would recognize their name. So that kind of surprised me. I thought he was a lot more athletic than that. Um, I'll be interested to see how he tests. He is going to the Senior Bowl. Um, so despite, you know, having an extra year there with the COVID year gave a lot of these guys some extra eligibility. So he could have been back. So he's technically uh, an early declare, but uh, he'll be going to the senior bowl. He's a guy that I think could rise from that. I think he could stand out there. He's a guy that I, I think will test well at the combine. It's not going to blow the doors off, but I think he'll test pretty well. Uh, so he's a guy that I think could rise throughout this process here. I don't know if I see him getting day two draft capital. Maybe the third round. He's kind of similarly in that bucket to Jarrett, where I think the NFL, um, you know, it, it all it takes is one team, but I he's kind of on that borderline. So he's a guy that I'll be very interested in, but he's a guy that I'll be taking in, you know, third rounds of rookie drafts, maybe even the fourth if he falls there. Um, so he's, he's one of my guys there. Uh, next up, Tyler Scott, wide receiver for Cincinnati. And, uh, you know, just came off of three uninteresting athletic comparisons. Tyler Scott has two of the most interesting compar athletic comparisons on this list here. Um, Tyler Scott, 55 catches, 899 yards and nine touchdowns this year for a Cincinnati team that kind of struggled for consistent quarterback play. Now, Ben Bryant, the quarterback there was better than what I thought he was going to be this year. Like, I did not expect him to win that job. He wasn't atrocious. Uh, but definitely not the quarterback that Desmond Ritter was last year. And Tyler Scott still put up some nice numbers here this year. Uh, smaller guy, 5'11", 185 pounds. Uh, and like I mentioned with those athletic comparisons, Rondale Moore and Tyreek Hill were two of the top guys on his list. Now, that's really interesting because obviously anytime you're on a list with Rondale Moore and Tyreek Hill, you're a freak athlete. I didn't see that level of freak athlete out of Tyler Scott. Now, granted, I, I have not sat down and just watched Tyler Scott specifically, but anytime I've watched Cincinnati, I did not see him really pop off in a way that would make me say, like, yeah, that's that's like a Rondale Moore. That's a Tyreek Hill. Um, so I'll be really interested to see how he tests, and I definitely need to go back and revisit his film. Uh, ultimately, if he tests that well, the NFL will draft him. Um, so he's a guy that I'm not really sure what to do with right now with this new information on the athletic comparisons here. He's a guy that I'm going to have to go back and take a look at more. He might be a, a candidate to rise up my ranks here a little bit. Next up, we have Justin Shorter, uh, wide receiver from Florida, formerly a five-star wide receiver at Penn State. Uh, really pretty much irrelevant there at Penn State. Goes to Florida, pretty much irrelevant there as well. 29 catches um, for a surprising 577 yards. I wasn't expecting that to be that high. Um, but it's only two touchdowns. 
Uh, he's really struggled as a receiver, um, has not really shown much there. The, the big thing that's going to be interesting for him is he's a size speed guy, six foot four, 223 pounds. His athletic comparisons, Larry Fitz, Josh Gordon. Um, so those are very interesting there. He's got that recruiting pedigree. So if an NFL takes him, like that's kind of what they're relying on is his recruiting pedigree, his size, and his athleticism. Uh, not a guy that I think is going to get drafted. Um, again, unless he blows the doors off the combine at six foot four, 223 pounds, then maybe he gets taken in like the fifth round. But I don't know if he's going to get drafted. Not really a guy that we need to pay that much attention to here. Um, so we'll move on to the next one. Parker Washington, uh, wide receiver for Penn State. Uh, this is a guy who coming off of a year where he was splitting work with uh, Jahan Dotson, former first round pick. Um, he had 64 catches, 820 yards and four touchdowns with Jahan Dotson out there as well. Now, Penn State's passing attack as a whole took a step back this year. Washington did still lead the team in receptions and receiving yards with 46 catches, 611 yards. He only had two touchdowns. He did tear up Ohio State for over 100 yards this year. Um, but ultimately, I think Parker Washington is a guy who's probably just better as a complimentary wide receiver. He didn't take that step forward that we hoped this year. He's a guy that some people in the Devi circles had, had some pretty high hopes for. Kind of disappointing. Um, Size-wise, 5'10", 215 pounds. So he's... He has the size where theoretically he could play on the outside, given that bulk. But I, he's he's a slot guy. I I think he's mostly a slot only. Um, I don't know if an NFL team's going to want to put him on the outside there. Athletically, he's decent. You know, he's not going to blow the doors off the combine, but I don't think he's going to disappoint either. His best athletic comp is Justin Hardy, a wide receiver from East Carolina a couple years ago. Uh, he got drafted by the Falcons. Never really did that much. Um, Parker Washington's a guy that is, you know, kind of in that Trey Palmer and, and Raheem Jarrett bucket where, you know, what is the NFL going to think of this guy? Is he going to go in the second day two? I lean probably not at this point after they're kind of a disappointing year. And I don't think he's going to test phenomenally well. Uh, and he's probably is a slot only guy. He's probably looking more like in the fourth round. Um, so we'll, we'll see where he ends up. Um, but he's a guy that I think could have a nice fantasy career for you, you know, depending on the offense he ends up in. I think he could be a wide receiver three um, in fantasy purposes in the right system there. You know, he's a guy that you don't want to ignore, but you're probably looking at him more in like the third round of your rookie drafts. And then the last up here, we have Dontavian Wicks, wide receiver for Virginia. Um, kind of a, a disappointing year this year after last year, putting up uh, 57 catches, 1200 yards and nine touchdowns. Uh, this year only had 30 catches, 430 yards and two touchdowns. Now that whole Virginia offense this year was kind of disappointing uh, under Tony Elliott here. Like they lost uh, Robert and I, the, the offensive corner that I mentioned when I was talking about North Carolina state and Syracuse. Um, but you know, he was at Virginia before he went over to Syracuse. Um, the loss of, of a nine and the shift in focus to Tony Elliott definitely has a, uh, an impact on, on Wicks's disappointing season here. Uh, but ultimately I think Wicks is not that great of a wide receiver. Um, he struggles with drops. Um, I'll, you know, I'll be interested to see how the NFL views him here athletically. Um, he's decent, but. Not a not a phenomenal athlete here. I want to want to I want to see how he tests. 
He's six foot two though, two hundred eighty pounds or two hundred eight pounds. So bigger guy can play on the outside for sure. Now he was not listed in our athletic comparisons database, uh, which is you know kind of surprising. Um, must have maybe he went the JUCO route. I'm not entirely sure why he's not listed in our database, especially when we have guys like Justin Hardy that I was mentioning a little bit ago, and guys like AJ Jenkins, and we have guys going all the way back to the '90s like Marshall Falk, and then like you know guys like Warwick Dunn. So we have a, a very robust database for this athletic comparison tool, and and he was not in it. So I'll be interested to see how he tests. He's you know a guy that I think will probably he'll probably get drafted. You're probably looking like the fifth round, I think. You know, a guy maybe you could take in the third or fourth round of your rookie drafts here. I know some people were very high on him entering the year. Um, I was not really one of those people. I think he was more of a product of that system uh, in terms of his production. But he does have a couple of nice traits. You know, he's a decent route runner. Uh, he said he's, he's big. He he has some size. Or, or, I mean, he has some athleticism as well. So I'll be interested to see how he tests here. Uh, moving into the tight ends, and there's actually a couple of tight ends here that are interesting. Um, you know, no, mostly we ignore tight ends here on this show, but, um, four tight ends here that, that kind of are intriguing as early declares here. First one up, Zach Kuntz, tight end from old dominion, formerly of Penn state. Uh, now never really did anything at Penn state, but last year at old dominion, he was kind of the focal point of that passing attack. Um, him and Ali Jennings, he had 73 catches, 692 yards and five touchdowns. Entered the year as the tight end three for college fantasy football behind Michael Mayer and Brock Bowers. Pretty high expectations for him this year, and he was disappointing. Uh, he only played in five games, but in those five games, 12 catches, 144 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, so the appeal really here for Zach Kuntz comes from his size and athleticism. Uh, six foot eight, 251 pounds, so big guy. Uh, his athletic comparisons were Mike Gusecki and Greg Olson. Uh, both of those guys, very good athletes. I think he's probably a little more Mike Gusecki, uh, because, you know, he's Zach Koontz. He's got that long stride. So maybe he tests well in the 40 better than we think. Uh, but he's not, a uh, you know, he's not blazing fast. He doesn't turn particularly well. He's not super agile, um, but he can jump out of the gym uh, and at six foot eight. And when you can jump like that, you have that kind of a wingspan, like you are going to have a role in the NFL as a red zone option, especially at the tight end position. I mean, Levine Taloilo uh, from Stanford had a role for the Falcons for years because he was big. So he's he's going to have an NFL role. How that's going to translate for fantasy, I'm not exactly sure, but he's definitely a guy that we should be keeping an eye on um, in terms of tight end position. Probably looking at him maybe like the third round. Um in your rookie drafts if it's tight end premium maybe the fourth um, but definitely a guy to keep on the list uh, next up we have michael mayer here um, tight end from notre dame and he is the tight end one in this class um, he has been the focal point of that passing attack at notre dame for the past two years uh, this year 67 catches 809 yards and nine touchdowns uh, six foot four 251 pounds so he's got good size too uh, he's not a, a phenomenal athlete, but he's got solid athleticism here. His athletic comp was Will Disley, the tight end for um, – uh, he was out of Washington. He's in Seattle now. Um, so yeah, decent athleticism there, but his pass-catching ability, he's a good blocker. Uh, the NFL is going to like this kid. So he's probably looking at like a second-round NFL draft capital here. He'll probably be the first tight end off the board, and he'll be the first tight end off the board in your rookie drafts too. Now, if it's tight end premium, I could see him even sneaking into the back half of the or into the back of the first round there. You know, maybe the 111, the 112. 
but he probably will not fall much lower than the, like the 202, 203 pick range. So if you want Michael Mayer, you want the tight end one in this class, you have to spend up maybe a little bit to get him here. But uh, ultimately, I, I think he'll be worth it. I think he'll translate fairly well for fantasy purposes. You know, um, I, I think he's probably more in that Zach Ertz, Austin Hooper spectrum uh, of players. Uh, next up, we have Luke Musgrave, tight end from Oregon State. Uh, he started out the year hot. Um, he only played two games, so he got hurt. Yeah, but in those two games, 11 catches, 169 yards, one touchdown. He was the focal point of that uh, Oregon State passing attack. Um, interesting decision for him to declare here, but I don't dislike it. Um, for, presumably, he would be healthy if he's going to declare uh, because he's going to need that pre-draft process. He's going to need that combine. And he is an athletic guy. Uh, 6'6", 250 pounds. His top three athletic comps, uh, O.J. Howard, Greg Olson, and Jimmy Graham. So that kind of tells you the level of athleticism you're working with here. Um, I think he is a, a guy that's going to go under the radar here. Um, not a lot of people are going to be aware of him until he hits that combine. Once he hits the combine, I think he's going to rise in this draft process. Right, last up here, we have Dalton Kincaid, tight end out of Utah. Um, he, you know, we talked about Zach Koontz maybe being the tight end three this year. Um, Dalton Kincaid actually ended up performing really well, outperformed Michael Mayer. Uh, he had 70 catches, 890 yards, and eight touchdowns. Um, now, Brant Keithy, his tight end running mate for Utah there, did go down. Uh, fairly early in the season with a season-ending injury, which really helped him to stand out and shine here. But he took advantage of that opportunity, and he was the the focal point of that Utah passing attack. And you know, anytime we can see a tight end be the focal point of their passing attack at the Power Five level, that's something we got to stand up and take notice of. Uh, he had a great year this year. He's good size to six four, two hundred and forty two pounds. Um, now he did not have any athletic comparisons in the tool. He was also not in the database, which again. Kind of surprising, given how deep our database goes here. But I'll be interested to see how he tests at the combine. I think he'll test pretty well. I think he's a pretty solid athlete. You know, he's not going to um, blow the doors off. He's not going to be Jimmy Graham or, or Greg Olson or anybody like that. But I think he can still be a, a nice, um, probably in that Michael Mayer level of athleticism. Um, so he's a guy that I'll be keeping an eye on. But he's my tight end, too, in the class currently here. Uh, I could see the NFL liking this guy as well, given the production he put up. So, you know, probably a day two draft pick here because um, it's a kind of a weaker tight end class, but uh, not quite as bad as last year. So Don Kincaid is probably a guy you're going to be looking to take in maybe like the third round of your rookie drafts, especially in tight end premium, maybe even sneaks into the second back of the second round there. Uh, but this is a really deep class. So, you know, probably more likely settles in in that third round, but definitely got to be aware of definitely got to keep an eye on here. Uh, that is going to do it for us here tonight. Uh, thank you for bearing with me uh, without Austin here doing the solo show. Uh, Austin and I will be back next week uh, after Christmas. Um, so, you know, Merry Christmas to those of you who celebrate that. Happy holidays to those of you who celebrate any of the other holidays around this festive season. Uh, good luck in the playoffs here. I hope uh, everybody moves on hope everybody wins their championships if, if they can and you know if you do uh, give us a shout out on twitter you know let us know or in our discord um let us know how you did let us know how you won but that's going to do it for us here tonight uh as always i'm colin and have <laughs>